Dear listener, my name is Jaco Prantel, audio producer for The Correspondent. Today we are happy to bring you something special, a small adventure in a world of sound. Gordon Hampton is a sound recordist and an acoustic ecologist. You could hear his sounds in wildly differing places during the last 25 years. It was part of exhibitions, films and numerous sound works for organizations such as National Geographic, Discovery and Microsoft. In my own work as a producer and sound designer, I once bought a couple of Hampton sound libraries. My hard drive has folders full of wondrous worlds that will reveal themselves with a single button press. I own a set of wind sounds, for instance. It has enormous storms, but also the ghostly whistling of a breeze between high-rises and electricity wires. If you develop an ear for his work, you can hear it everywhere. His sound portraits are a bit like paintings. They're depicting something that looks and feels familiar, but that you never truly consciously heard before. Sometimes it seems that his world unplugs my ears and makes me listen to my environment anew. Zeno Simmons wrote an interesting essay about sound for our Dutch site De Correspondent. When he visited my studio for a recording session, we listened to a bit of Hampton's work together. He was fascinated by what he heard and decided to contact him. What you're about to listen to is based on the interview that Zeno had with him. A lot of the sounds are recorded with a technique that creates an incredibly lifelike perspective on good headphones. So grab your best hands if you can. Gordon Hampton teaches us how to explore the world using our most important organ in an evolutionary sense. Who wants to understand what he means must relearn how to listen. That is what this story is about. Let us listen to Gordon Hampton. The first question to ask yourself is, are you ready to change? Because what you listen to and what you hear may very well even turn your world upside down. the very first rule of being a better listener is to be quiet. As soon as we're quiet, we have the opportunity to notice how we feel. When did I learn to listen? Well, when did I learn to know that thinking I was a listener or a good listener is like what kept me from listening. 
That's, you know, I know that sounds like a bunch of words and a little confusing, but I think that for the last uh, nearly 40 years, I have never admitted to being a good listener. All I try to be is a better listener, and hopefully someday I'll be the best listener that I can. And that's what keeps me on track, keeps me open, because for the first, oh, 27 years of my life, I was a nearly a straight-A student, enjoyed all the things that fill our modern lives today, and then everything else, the background, that was just filtered out. That's what I thought made me such a great listener is because I could filter out what was important and what wasn't important. And of course, that filtering happens even before I have listened to make that decision. It's, it's kind of like a horse with blinders, except the blinders are on my ears and I just go through the straight and narrow of my past. And so there really isn't even a present and a future uh, to that kind of person. And that's what made me so ready when that faded day, because a, a poor listener can only go that way for so long until they get blindsided by a big event that they never guessed at, and it changes their life. That, for me, was a thunderstorm on my way to graduate school. I was tired of driving, so I pulled over uh, someplace in Iowa and laid down in a field late August, and late August is thunderstorm season. I could hear the distant thunder, and in that very relaxed state of nothing to think about, I still remember how the distant thunder sounded different than it had before, that there are all these layers and resonances that revealed to me what I believe were the dimensions of the valley in far unseeable distances, right? So I had this very clear telescopic lens that I could experience the world around me without even turning my head, and just take it all in, right? And so with that kind of introduction, I'm hoping that we can just be together for a moment. I also felt reminded again how different from visual space, which we can construct walls, right? We can be inside of a room, we can be inside of a car, we can create these isolation chambers from the rest of the world, we can disconnect. The acoustic environment is largely a shared environment. More than any other aspect of the environment, the acoustic environment more than even air, is a shared environment. And um, I learned that from frogs, believe it or not.
So what we hear is, um, you know, one frog, then another frog, then a whole bunch of frogs, and then we don't hear any frogs. I will never save silence. Not me. No single person has the ability to control this community resource, that it actually takes this nearly unanimous approval of let's be quiet. If I wanted to save the art of listening and a world worth listening to, that I would have to go public, that I would have to become a voice for silence. What's really incredible about sound is that each sound comes with a feeling. Don't listen for a sound. You can't. You can't foretell the future. Don't do that. Just open up. And notice or listen to how you feel. All right? But still we have bad habits. You know, still we've become adults. Uh, when we were little kids and we're born animals, we're born listeners. But then we go to school and learn that the teacher's important and that, you know, the teacher stood up and said, class, class, be quiet. Listen to me. Give me your attention. I listen quietly I close my mouth and open my ears when others speak to me I always try to listen Cause listening is good Oh, I am a good listener I listen the way I should and that's when we learn how to listen, in quotes, which in fact we learn how to control the degree of impaired listening so that we can extract the information, not that we want to know as individuals, but that others want us to know, All right? Well, the workaround from this kind of mind game that goes on in the shaping us of individuals is to simply hold a microphone. Simply hold a microphone and plug it in because the brain automatically says, hmm, this microphone is important. What does the microphone hear? Right? And that's exactly what I did. I held a microphone and plugged it in and Boom, the world immediately became known and unfamiliar. But it was the real world, the unedited world, 
that was telling me for the first time since being a, a little child um, what it means to be alive. If you want to be a better listener, uh, there's two things you can do. Do either one. Get yourself a microphone and start listening to it for better or worse, emphasis on the worst if you live in a noise polluted area. Or you can find a young child, your own perhaps, or a family member that has not yet gone to school and go for a night walk, hoist them on your shoulders and let them do the talking. Let them tell you where to go. Let them say, What's that? And don't answer. You can both guess together. Even though I had this great epiphany going to graduate school, it wasn't like, okay, so my world is different now. Are you kidding me? I got a student loan. I'm going into graduate school. I have plans. And so you just keep on rolling. So I decided I'd go into an electronics store, get a microphone. I can remember the salesman looking at me and I'd say, I'd like a microphone. And he said, what kind of microphone? And it was like, mm, I looked down in the cabinet and I could see all those microphones. So I picked one. So he took my driver's license and I then walked outside the store in Madison, Wisconsin. And it was like, Oh my God, it reminded me of being a kid at Sammamish Lake here in Washington State the first time I had a face mask. You know, I'd been swimming in that lake forever. And um, then the day came along where I put on a face mask and oh my God, I could see fish. I could see, you know, the plants growing down on the bottom. And it, uh, well, I just like went straight to shore, stood up and thought about what I was doing. And when I walked outside of the electronics store with a microphone, it was like, boom. This wall of noise that I hadn't noticed. Now I walked in that door in that same wall of noise, but somehow I had this shield, this defensive bubble around me that was impenetrable by all this information. So it was mentally quiet, but now I had this microphone which removed my shield, and it was brutal. Just like putting on a face mask for the first time and seeing all the life, everything that was going on, is kind of frightening and scary, you know? It was cool living in a dumbed-down version of the world. So I was faced with a decision. Do I want to know the world, or do I just want to be comfortable But I know that that question worked on me for a while in graduate school, along with the beauty of the thunderstorm that I had experienced. And it was at that point that I knew that I had been changed forever.
wasn't listening even to myself, let alone anything else. And so how could I be making decisions on who I am or who I'm going to be? And I dropped out of graduate school, but I returned to Seattle and took a job as a bike messenger. And that's when the world became so real because if you're a bike messenger in hilly downtown Seattle and you're not listening, because you're looking straight ahead, you aren't even gonna be able to bend your head around very much and not have your front tire fall in a crack. Even the gutters were positioned in such a way that your bike tire would just go down into it and you'd flip over. So you couldn't turn your head. You had to listen to traffic by simply becoming a bike messenger that I was put in the same position as wildlife, I had to listen to survive. I don't know if it was the first or the second day was the first time I got hit by a car. Over the course of the nine years that my day job was being a bike messenger, I was hit a dozen times. So I got very good at being able to survive and each time I would park the messenger bike and then be able to gather up my sound recording equipment and go into nature to continue listening in faraway places where noise pollution had not yet intruded, I was that much better prepared to listen to wildlife with using my own uh, wild ears. There were times that I really hated myself, that I had become changed as the result of listening. You know, my father used to tell me, you're throwing your life away and taking your family with you. There were no jobs for what I was doing, but I knew I had to do it because the hardest job of all is to live without a dream. and actually went from bad to worse to better. After nine years as a bike messenger, I came down with pneumonia. And as a pneumonia, I couldn't breathe and we couldn't afford medical care. And it was a really hard winter. I was denied unemployment, so we didn't have any money for heating fuel and we wound up burning our furniture in our fireplace. You know, it was what we used to sit on and eat off of. I remember laying down one morning, returning to bed, feeling really weak and really sick, and how can things possibly get worse? And then I realized, well, my ancestors they brought me here, but things were worse for them. They fought the plague. They fought impossible wars and, you know, all the circumstances of the past. And yet they brought me here to today. And so I thought, what cheered them up, right? And outside my window, there was a Pacific wren uh, tweetering away from a bough of a hemlock. A beautiful but very fast-pitched uh, song, and it did. I felt that note of joy, as impossible as it might seem. There was that note of joy, and then given the fact that I'm American, I have 
like 12 different ethnic backgrounds from places all over in the world, I then imagined them all hearing this note of joy from whatever birds were in their vicinity. Oh my God, planet Earth is singing a tune and has been the sound of sunrise as it has circled the planet through the course of evolution, singing this song, evolving in composition, and I knew that I was going to record and hear and share. If you have resistance to change, it means your filters are on because what you listen to and what you hear may very well turn your world upside down. I, you know, I didn't gravitate immediately to nature listening. I was just going to be a better listener. And that meant um, what was immediately around me and sometimes far away around me. And I still have a great fascination for train sounds. Oh gosh, what, what can I talk about trains first? You know, the old trains, uh, so mechanical, all the linkages, um, it's a really tight band. You know, you hear And then, of course, uh, at some point during the journey of a train, um, in the old days, it wasn't a button, but it was a cord that would blow the train whistle. And the, uh, the engineer would actually sign the air. And different engineers would know the signatures of other engineers. And it was like... that that blast would travel up a valley and then echo and then reveal. It was like an echolocation. It would actually reveal and there are engineers that would be able to recognize where they were in a valley just based on the sound alone and the clickety-clack of the railroad track. It's music and everything feeds together and it's loud and it's powerful and you just gotta be a part of it. But I also um, felt that it was not just about the trains, but it was about the people who made trains their um, way of being. And the sound of trains, particularly distant trains, uh, remind me of this very romantic time, at least in American history. Sadly, though, the trains were a big part of the Industrial Revolution. And it was the Industrial Revolution that we see the noise, huge noise impacts occurring even to entire families working in mills because there weren't child labor laws then. There weren't laws on noise limits or hearing protection. And it's during the Industrial Revolution when it really takes off in the 1800s that we see sonic descriptions 
leave American literature. Isn't that interesting? That the culture now, with this new advent of noise pollution exploding across our soundscapes and filling our lives both at home and at the workplace with noise and what has to undeniably be hearing loss at all age levels, that we have um, literacy also being a requirement for school education. We have the press. We have the booming um, media market for print, okay? And you can't print sound. And so we have the American culture do this very quick over a matter of just a few decades, uh, turn our sensibilities upside down, and everything becomes visual instead of what it was in the early and mid-1800s is very sonically rich. And all we have to do today is to go back to the literature of the 1800s and notice that the authors were listeners writing for a still listening audience. Even today, with the, all the attention that's given towards silence and whatever, the descriptions, even in my own books, are mere crayon drawings compared to what was described, uh, not with poetic license, but as literal descriptions back in the 1800s and before. And I still have a great fascination for train sounds. But I was waiting for the next freight train to arrive to hop outside the Wenatchee yard. And, you know, in that slow-mo way of being, I had a lot of time and there was this Western meadowlark that was singing. If I were to credit any individual bird for reminding me of who I am and setting me on the course of my lifelong pilgrimage, it would be uh, the Western Meadowlark and one particular individual. And there was this Western meadowlark that was singing. And I just listened. And I thought, hmm, why does it sound music to my ears? Because that Western meadowlark isn't singing for my benefit. Um, but I hear it as music. Why? It sounds like music because Earth is my home. I evolved here, and there's a tight relationship between humans. In fact, humans and songbirds did co-evolve, okay? We evolved together. And our hearing range from 20 vibrations per second to 20,000 vibrations, the sensitivity isn't a straight line, but it's a curve that goes up and down and becomes super sensitive at 2.5 kilohertz, the resonant frequencies of the auditory canal. In other words, our ears have actually evolved to have a shape to extract data from certain frequencies because they have extraordinary relevance towards our survival. 
and it's not a perfect match to the human voice. Our survival it doesn't depend on our ability to chatter about uh, the circumstances. No, our ability to survive is getting information from the outside world, and it's a perfect match to birdsong. And indeed, we find that birdsong is the primary indicator of habitats prosperous to humans. If the birds are singing, there's food, water, shelter, and a really extended favorable weather system, climate, season, uh, to get the young off the nest. Isn't that amazing? That our distant nomadic ancestors used their ability to hear faint and distant birdsong as a navigational beacon to lead us towards future prosperity. A bird is not just a species, but an individual and will sing its own songs, right? With its own improvisations, that these aren't wind-up toys. These are real beings like you and I. And that changes everything because now it's not habitat loss. It's loss of beings. It's loss of creatures that have a, as much of a right to live on earth as we do, all right? And so it seems like everywhere we go today, even if it were to experience quiet, we bring along our own noise and often don't even think about it, right? Then we cover up all the faint sounds, the faint sounds, not the loud sounds that have been the driving force of not only human evolution, but the evolution of all animals. And all animals have the ability to hear. Even though some animal species are blind, it's not essential to be able to see to exist as an animal species on Earth, but it is essential that you can hear and understand to a certain degree the information that sound carries because sound is created by events. In the course of uh, the evolution of species, the ability to extract information from events and almost all events cause sound, right? When they aren't carefully controlled and approaching Predatory cat, though, will try to limit its information sharing by having retractable claws and padded feet. It's been so important that animals harvest this information that not only do all animals hear, but coverings of the ears similar to coverings of the eyes, the eyelids, have never evolved. Not once in the fossil record do we have that it serves an animal species an advantage to unplug, to tune out of the 24-7 news feed. Beyond the importance of sound, which is entirely contrary to modern myths, which vision is the most important sense by and large, what's really incredible about sound is that each sound comes with a feeling. The world is upside down when you attempt to only see it. In order to really see the world today, 
and really respond to this so-called environmental crisis, we need to right ourselves and begin to listen to it because our natural human state in the wild is you hear something because you're listening 360, 24, seven. Then if it's interesting, you look in that direction. And if it's still interesting, you begin to approach it, increase the resolution, smell it, touch it, and the ultimate commitment to taste it as a way of sensory data acquisition. Okay. And since I mentioned the environmental crisis, it just makes me cringe. Yes, our planet is in trouble, but it's not an environmental crisis. It's not because these are the symptoms of our spiritual crisis. Our spiritual crisis is our relationship to the earth and the fact that the modern history is that we've fallen out of love with planet earth. And now we have this great opportunity to fall back in love with planet earth and bring everything we already know to be true, but now in a subconscious level deep down inside and bring it up to the surface. So we aren't talking about an environmental crisis anymore and trying to treat it like the problem is out there. No, the problem isn't out there. It's in here. Who are we? Who are you? And the best way to discover that is simply to be quiet and notice how you feel. Thanks for listening. If you like to support our journalism but you're not yet a member of The Correspondent, please go to thecorrespondent.com. See you next time.